Hey Pod Academy listeners, I don't know how to tell you this, but today we're going to be talking about economics. And I know that economics can be really boring, but this isn't. Today's conversation is with an author whose book has provoked a lot of debate in Germany and has just recently been translated into English. It's written by Wolfgang Strich, director at the Max Planck Institute and professor of sociology at the University of Cologne. He raises some interesting issues and argues for a historical interpretation of the most recent financial crisis that is really thought-provoking. The book he wrote is called Buying Time, The Delayed Crisis of Democratic Capitalism, and I promise to do my best to keep our conversation from sending you to sleep. Wolfgang Strich, thank you, uh, really, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Could you elaborate on something you wrote in your book, which I found really quite startling? Uh, when you were talking about the US wage increases, you wrote, the figures show that when measured against productivity rises, working households in the US have gained next to nothing since, 19, since the 1980s. Uh-huh. That's true. That seems remarkable. That The wealth of the US has steadily increased, but wages have remained the same for the last 30 years. Yeah. Do you, uh, I think when you when you read the book, you see this uh, meanwhile famous uh, diagram, uh, which shows how uh, wages and household incomes move with productivity until the mid 1970s. They sort of uh, uh, grow exactly at the same rate, and from then on, productivity continues to to go up in a linear fashion, and. Uh, uh, income of households and 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 the wage have remained constant. So they 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 don't they don't go up. When when I when I looked at the American figures, my my assistant was compiling the 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 figures on on real wages. I thought she had uh, mis miscalculated. I I needed to I needed to check again and again. America is is a very stark example. Uh, is that echoed across? Other advanced capitalist countries like uh, Germany or Australia? Uh, yeah, it is echoed in other countries as well. Uh, it is not as dramatic. It starts later. But in Britain, for example, uh, under, uh, under uh, Thatcher and, la- and later under Blair, um, now the situation in Britain is, is, is almost the same as in the United States. Is this being addressed by governments? I mean, is this being seen, is this seen as a problem? Uh, it is in the uh, in the United States. Uh, the the book by Piketty on on capital in the twenty first century uh, made an enormous splash uh, among the liberal uh, establishment, like uh, Krugman and and others. And the inequality is becoming a topic that that is being discussed in the United States more more than in in Britain at the present time. But uh, uh, I don't see any uh, of the established political forces that has any recipe against this. So-called globalization has made capital enormously mobile. They can go where they, uh, where they please. Remember this, these things about large American corporations uh, uh, discovering one tax 
loophole after the other in order not to have to pay taxes in the United States. Uh, they even buy foreign companies and then they incorporate in, in the uh, countries of these companies in order to avoid American taxes. So no, this, this, is, this is pervasive. And even in a country like Sweden, Sweden used to be the home of equality uh, in a highly developed uh, capitalist modern industrial uh, society. In the last 15 years, the extent of uh, social and economic inequality in Sweden has increased faster than in any other country. Uh, or, or did, 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 it, it's just mind-blowing. They are still much less unequal than the United States but they are really doing their best to catch up. I would like to address the quote in your book from the then chairman of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan. He was asked by uh, the Swiss newspaper Tagus Anzeiger a question in 2007 about who he thought would be the next president of the United States. And his response was, quoting from your book, We are fortunate that, thanks to globalization, policy decisions in the US have largely been replaced by global market forces. National security aside, it hardly makes any difference who will be the next president. The world is governed by market forces. This is an incredible statement. Absolutely. And but but remember, he, he is a central banker, and central bankers are, are firmly convinced that this is true. They they don't uh, put it uh, as 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 openly, but uh, uh, the, that's the vision of central bankers of how the world is run and should be run. But what happened to our system that the then chairman of the Federal Reserve is saying that it largely doesn't matter who is elected president of the United States? Yeah, it uh, is a. Uh, um, it is proof of this slow process of what I describe as the dissociation of the political democratic system uh, from the economy. Remember that that one of the uh, one of the central theses of my book is that we have moved from a, a Keynesian to a what I call a Hayekian uh, economic system, which depends on the strict insulation. Uh, of the functioning of the economy, of the market economy, of the capitalist market economy, from redistributive political pressures. That's what he means. Um, it doesn't matter who is, who, who, it matters who's present, the skin color may be important, uh, whether he or she is uh, of Chinese origin or whatever may sort of be exciting for the world or the Chinese American community. That's fine, as long as this political system does not try to interfere too deeply or at all uh, with the functioning uh, of the uh, market system. Is it is it just that the institutions that are now in place prevent any real economic decision-making regardless who the president is? Uh, in the econ- the economy is the source of ever uh, more innovation, quote unquote, ever new ways of of extracting uh, advantage from uh, the working lives of people, and expropriating the producers, so to speak. And 
the financial system is a world in which people are very smart people are specialized in ever new ways of how to extract surplus value from the economy and if the political system is unable uh, to watch what they are doing to regulate uh, to impose limits on them and to update the institutions that in the United States sort of go back to the New Deal uh, uh, trying to democratize capitalism then uh, uh, the, the the natural development uh, is that uh, it that the economy escapes control by the uh, p political uh, system that's what we observe although your book is a book on economics you are arguing that our democracy of today is very different to the democracy directly after World War II yeah. and that it's in, in trouble. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, it's not so much that, that institutions have changed, although institutions have also changed. Uh, look at the, at the almost disappearance of, of collective bargaining and of trade unions. To me, post-war democracy was an institutional system that allowed for redistribution from the top to the bottom uh, as a matter of social justice as well as as a matter of stimulating economic growth. And uh, it was also, it was basically in, in Europe and I think in the United States based on the war experience uh, the First World War, the Second World War, where for the capacity of political systems to redistribute towards their ordinary citizens, because in the background there was the experience that these people had fought the war, they had sacrificed for their country, uh, they had a right, uh, an entitlement uh, to the full range of benefits of citizenship. And this sort of slowly disappears. The institutional strength shifts. And now it's the other way around. Uh, if you look at economic policy, uh, even in democratic societies, they, they will tell you economic growth comes from economic empowerment of the rich. Tax cuts, cuts of social security benefits. But what is it that changed between this period after World War II and now? Well, um, in, in all of our countries, uh, in the 1970s and 1980s, there was a very determined backlash on the part of, uh, of capitalism or capitalists uh, insisting on uh, the prerogatives of the free market, the prerogatives of management, and a very well orchestrated political, political organization, usually um, See, capital, democratic capitalism is a world in which democracy is needed to uh, create legitimacy for a production regime that is basically asymmetrical. Capital is owned by only very few people. But as politics intervenes in this system in order to make it legitimate, it also uh, creates economic dysfunctions. Uh, capitalists are no longer willing to invest, uh, unemployment increases, um, all, all of these things. And then uh, politics sort of shifts back and tries to uh, rectify sort of the economic disequilibrium. But that happens at the expense of another political disequilibrium, uh, which is declining legitimacy of a world in which uh, inequality keeps increasing.
And so you can see how they shift from one horn of the dilemma to, to the other. And that's essentially my narrative about the departure from the post-war world. The second chapter of your book and the second uh, historical perspective that I would really like to talk to you about uh, is this idea in your book of the transformation uh, from the tax state to the debt state. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yes. Um, what you see is that uh, beginning in the 1970s, in all the major um, advanced capitalist countries, we see a rise in public indebtedness in an almost linear fashion. Uh, for example, Germany, 40% of GDP in 1970 to roughly 80% of, of GDP uh, uh, doubling uh, in, uh, uh, at, at the present time. And the interesting thing is that this is a linear process. It's roughly independent of who governs, uh, basically independent of who governs, um, basically independent of the of the general economic situation, uh, you simply see in all these countries this increase. What I find is that during this period, the capacity of states to tax their societies declines uh, continuously in the same way in which uh, public indebtedness increases. So the tax take declines, especially at the upper end of the income distribution. In my interpretation, the rise in public debt was a process by which governments desperately tried to compensate for the increase in uh, economic inequality, which they in part themselves caused by giving in to the demands of ever more, uh, ever more mobile uh, capital for ever more tax cuts. Very clearly in the United States, but also in, uh, and, and we in Europe sort of follow the United States in uh, roughly one decade, uh, distance of roughly one decade, we're sort of uh, mimicking what, what the US are doing. Just to try and get my head around this whole debt thing, I mean, almost every country in the world is in debt, yeah? Yeah. But then who are they in debt to? Um, to um, what uh, is euphemistically called the capital markets, which includes uh, especially the huge savings that result at the upper end of the income distribution from the fact that these people pay lower and lower taxes. They must uh, invest their money somewhere. And, and what you essentially see in, uh, in many uh, of the European countries, the United States is a sort of somewhat special case, but if, what, what you see in the European countries is that those people who are able to save more because they are paying lower taxes uh, lend the money to the state rather than have it confiscated by the state, which um, gives them a steady stream of uh, interest income rather than they simply lose the money because it, it would be taxed. And they can also inherit it uh, to, to their children, fortifying uh, the, uh, the, the class structure and the structure of, of uh, income distribution. So what you see is an exchange from a a state based on taxing its rich citizens to a state dependent on borrowing money from its rich citizens. 
Finally, Wolfgang, what are you most positive about? I mean, working with the younger generation of economics of economists, do you see change happening or is it just business as usual? It is a very slow change. I think in the United States, people are becoming more alert to the uh, tripartite or the, the three horns, if you wish, of the dilemma, low growth, increasing uh, inequality and uh, rising debt. These three things together are uh, a writing on the wall that must make people very concerned. And I think that increasingly people are beginning to address these issues. At the same time, I've spent last year in the in the United States, in, in, uh, in New York City. You talk to people, even in the mainstream of, of American society, who are deeply concerned about the loss of control by democratic uh, government over the economy. Uh, this whole sort of globalization uh, uh, story. And the uh, there's a sense that the stop gaps are running out. They are no longer working. And that you may have to invent new stop gaps that become ever more dangerous uh, in the future. So in that sense, I think there's hope in that people are beginning to become aware that we're on very, very shaky ground. That, that the Great Recession may also be uh, at some stage followed by a Great uh, Depression. Apart from that, as far as the politics of our countries are concerned, unfortunately, I don't see a political force like uh, the, um, the New Deal coalition in the United States in the 1930s that would have a recipe to respond to these uh, very severe dis dysfunctions in our political economies. Wolfgang Strich, thank you very much for talking to me today. Wolfgang Strich is director at the Max Planck Institute and professor of sociology at the University of Cologne, as well as an honorary fellow of the Society for the Advancement of Socioeconomics. His new book is called Buying Time, The Delayed Crisis of Democratic Capitalism. My name is Craig Barfoot. Thanks a lot for listening.